We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Ryan, we're going to now transition into the mailbag. And we don't have a lot of questions right now, so this may go quickly. We'll see if if everybody steps up and kind of gets some questions in there and we can kind of get rocking and rolling. And so uh, let's start off with a couple of these super chats, Ryan. We have a couple from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. He said, if Jimmy, I assume he's talking about Jimmy Clausen, uh, was QB right now. The, the year he was on fire with all those TDs. What is Notre Dame's record with his team? Thanks, IB. Your content is fire lately. If, if Jimmy Clausen was the team starting quarterback, I would assume that they're six and zero. I would say six and zero. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it would mask it would mask problems that exist. You know what yeah. I mean? If they called the games the same way. Now, what we don't know is if he had a Jimmy Clausen type of quarterback, would the offense look a lot more like it did with Jack Cohn last year? Schematically, that's the question. We don't know. You would you would think so. You would think so. Yeah. And I, I mean, we, we talked about it a lot. Like Jack Cohn masked a few things last year when yes. he was rolling down the stretch, and I think Jimmy would do the same thing because although they're different sizes and Jimmy's like obviously they're a little bit different of football players stylistically, they want to win in similar ways, right? They want to be quick processors, get the ball out, be accurate, all that type of stuff. So I think you're at least five and one. Maybe you have a close loss to Ohio State in, in a narrow defeat, but regardless, I think five and one at worst if you have Jimmy Clausen right now. Yes, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that you know because the problem against Ohio State was is they couldn't protect the quarterback, and that would have been an issue, especially with Jimmy playing because he wasn't a very mobile guy. But there's no way they lose to Marshall if Jimmy's on this team. There's no way they lose to Stanford if Jimmy's on this team. And I know Jimmy's team's lost, but he wasn't on very good teams. You know, he didn't have the the kind of defense. Like, again, what, Notre Dame couldn't stop anybody in 09. Right? This year, there would, that wouldn't be a problem. They would they would certainly be able to stop people. There's no doubt about that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, we'll 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 have to do that. So I'm going to also ask Tommy Guns, one of the OGs on our site. So Tommy has uh, he sent me this earlier today. His daughter is doing a fundraiser called Reading for Education. Tommy, I'm going to ask that you put the link into the chat below. And so he is doing a fundraiser with his daughter. If any of you all be interested in helping support his daughter's fundraiser for Reading for Education, the link he's going to put down there below is going to explain to you kind of what they're doing. And we always try to help support each other here at Irish Breakdown. So, uh, Tommy, definitely do that. Definitely put that in there and help support Tommy's daughter reading for ed- what is it called? I think I said what reading for education. Isn't that what I what what I said it was? Yes, reading for education. Is so. Yep. Cool. So there you go. Because Ryan, you're going to be doing that here in a few years as well, man. Once your daughter gets into school, you're going to be calling me trying to sell me chocolates and all these other type of things. Vince <laughs> is always sending his kids over here trying to sell me stuff from you know the different fundraisers that they do. So. Uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be we'll be doing that. So, uh, somebody asked also if we'll be doing the Thanksgiving fundraiser this year. Probably not, just because um, I'm. It's just been a challenging year, a couple months time wise for me, and just things going on uh, with my family. I just don't think I'm going to have the time to not only do the fundraiser, but then everything that goes with it. You know, leading up to and then afterwards. So we will not be. But I do have a couple things that I have planned. Uh, that I want to really start doing those and making those more of a regular part of what we do. But there's just some other things that came up during that last year that that made it. Uh, we've just got to figure some things out, and we've been working on here for a while before we're going to do that. But um, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of where we're at. So, all right. So actually, let me uh, let me kind of pull this up, and I'm going to put this link in the uh, chat because I think Tommy's driving right now. So I will try to get this over here uh, and put that up. So anyway. Let's move on to our next set of questions here. And uh, we have one from, we are actually, we had another super chat from, from Charlie Weiss's last bell loop. Jimmy Tobias and Mayer combo is dead, would be deadly. And I mean, it's not just that it's Braden Lindsay. It's, it's Lorenzo styles. It's the, the running backs out of the backfield. Jimmy used to throw the running backs all the time. It's, you know, it'd be throwing back shoulders to Deion Colsey. I mean, there's a, Jimmy would be deadly with a lot of dudes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people didn't like him, and I get it. Uh, trust me, I get it. But that dude in 2019 or 2009 was as good as of a passer as you're going to see. I mean, he wasn't was it like really it was like 28 touchdowns to four interceptions or something like that, right? Like it was just absurd. Yeah. It was just absurd. And that was so. with not much of a supporting cast on defense. And I mean, and it was just, I mean, it was like 69% completion percentage. It was, it was a, uh, he was he was lights out and like with no line 
And that's the biggest thing for me is he had great skill talent. The problem mm-hmm. is he didn't have very good talent everywhere else. Right. Like the offensive line couldn't block anybody. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, was not good. It was certainly not good. So uh, very, very disappointing, disappointing prediction or year there. From I, that I, I, w- I, w- I would also like to throw in, although he's not a perfect fit into the Reese offense, could you imagine, uh, could you imagine Brady Quinn throwing some back shoulder fades to Tobias oh. Merriweather down the field? <laughs> yes. And Deion Colsey. Yes, absolutely. And Michael Mayer. And Michael Mayer. Yeah. 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 And Brady could throw a good post route too. So, I mean, he would, and he was really good up the seams as well. So he would, he would certainly have some, yeah, it would, it would be, it would be fun. I, I love this, by the way, this hashtag ban the scan. That's glorious. Absolutely. And I have, I'll have an article coming up about that here uh, when we get done with the show. So definitely want to check that out. Next question, that's, that's Ryan. A, that's a shirt. That's a shirt. Ban the scan. Yes. I like it. You know what? That's not a bad idea at all. If they keep doing that, I may have to do that. I may have to do that. Uh, we are not Marshall. Brian and Ryan, does Tommy take a shot down the field immediately out of the gate or is it establish the run and then take the shots? Uh, honestly, I don't care if it's right away. I mean, sure, it's fine, but I also think that you need to you need to do whatever you need to do to come out and establish rhythm. That's what I care about in the first series. Come out and establish rhythm. If you think that is, look, this is what we're anticipating. We think they're going to come out against us early on and and line up and put five guys on the line and, and play cover one, and we're going to take a shot against that. That's cool. I'm good with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. If you yep. think, however, that we're going to come out and maybe push the tempo, run the ball on them, get Drew out of the pocket and just let him get some easy stuff, maybe throw a couple screens, you know, do some things like that to get him into rhythm and get the offense into rhythm, and then you come back to some shots maybe on Series 2, I'm cool with that too, or Series 3, I'm cool with that too. It's about establishing a rhythm, Ryan. I think that's more important than establishing your willingness to throw the ball down the field. Now, part of rhythm may be, hey, we need to take a shot to back them off. Like I said, I'm good with that too. It's just not like if they don't take a shot in the first five plays, I'm throwing my hat down and cussing Tom Reese. No, come out and move the ball, get into rhythm. That's what I care about. And if they can do that, I don't care how they do it. I just want to see them come out and and, and get into a nice rhythm. And and hopefully that means they're throwing some RPOs. Hopefully that means a lot of different things. I don't know if it will or won't, but hopefully it does. Love you, just please, just please, no three and out on the first offensive drive, oh, please. No, I no, beg, I beg of you. Start or... I beg of you. Yes, it'd be nice. The, the, wor- be the worst possibility is like incomplete pass or run of zero, and then you run the ball in second and ten, and then it's third and long, and it's incomplete pass. Like that's the my right. worst nightmare for Notre Dame right now because we've seen it way yep. too much so far this year. Yep. We have YouTube user. I don't know quite know who this is, but well, it's a good comment. He said the BYU week estimate commented the saying we are Notre Dame. If we play our game, we will win. Some seem to not like that. Did people not actually like was there actually people saying they didn't like that? I think we need more of that. Own who we are, dominate weaker opponents, and own it. Yeah, look, I am all for saying things like that as long as it's not said in a disrespectful manner. Right. And yeah. I did not think Audric was doing that at all. Audric was basically saying what coaches say. Look, we can focus on ourselves. If we play our game, we can beat anybody. You want don't you want your guys to believe that? And as long as they don't say it in a, this team is trash, we're going to beat this team. Uh, you know, don't say that, right? Don't call your rival your little brother. That's disrespectful. I didn't find yeah. anything wrong. I, there's too much of this tamping down the Notre Dame players. Remember when Liam Eikenberg was like, yeah, we're going to go to there and you know kick their ass and get on the bus and come home, right? Getting talking about Virginia Tech. Like, I, you know, okay, I kind of like that. I want this team to have some swagger. 
and 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 want them to have that confidence as long as it's backed up by how you play. I mean, don't have that sure. false bravado and that false sense of you know you know you're talking yourself into thinking you're good. You know, if you're good and you, as long as it's somewhat done with somewhat level of respect, I like that. I think this team. It's like what Tobias said in his press conference on Monday. He's like, or Tuesday. He was like. Uh, I saw cover zero and I knew I was going to score. I'm like, yeah, I want that confidence level. I want, and and he was, he said it so matter of fact too. He's like, yeah, I just came out and I saw cover zero and I was like, yeah, I'm about to score. And he wasn't, he wasn't talking trash. He was just, he was a confident kid and that's what he saw. And then, but you need that kind of confidence when you line up and play. Like this dude can't cover me and I'm about to go score because they're trying to go cover zero. They're trying to have this dude cover me because that's what he's saying, right? That's what Tobias mm-hmm. is saying. They're going cover zero, and that dude can't cover me. So this is going to be a touchdown, right? I mean, that's what he's saying, but he said it in a much classier, respectful manner. And but it came from a place of confidence, and I want more of that. This is not a very confident football team more. right now, right? You need more. You need more. Some people would like to be successful, and others need to be successful. Like there's a right. huge difference there. There's a huge difference, and I think you need more of that. To your point, Brian, like you need more of Tobias. What, what Tobias said, man, like. If you have a one-on-one opportunity, you should believe that you're going to score a touchdown. Like you shouldn't hope that you're going to score a touchdown. You right. should believe it. Like those are the that's the point blank to it. Like that's just that's it, man. That's it. You need more of it. Just yep. need more. Yep. Irish blooded says I expect to see an OV throw the kitchen sink at Notre Dame just because the Irish are on the ropes. Well, Agreed. I would double down on that Irish blooded. I think it's not just that Notre Dame is on the ropes, but they're on the ropes. Because if you know Notre Dame had a bad loss to Stanford, but they're coming off back-to-back games where they lost forty-something to like seven, right? Is I mean, if, if I, I believe I'm accurate on that, Ryan. Yes, they lost to San Jose State forty to seven and lost to Air Force forty-two to seven. So yes, they are they are also a team on the ropes, in my opinion. So I I think they're also going to do that to to try to do something to spark themselves as well. I think that's that's going to be a key as well. So. We'll see kind of we'll see how how it goes here real quick. Ten day had a question because is anybody else not getting IB notifications or have to look up IB when they are not in your feed? And that's not good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and uh, I know ten day is subscribed and has the notification bell on, so I'm not quite sure what that deal is. So we you, put um, the podcast is, up today around noon. So is, is there like an option, ten day? Maybe if you go in there, maybe if you go to your settings, maybe you absolutely silence the notifications. Like I don't know, I'm not sure. That's weird though. Yeah. Let's get to some more questions here. Let's see. Uh, we have a question from we have one one from Irishman seven one one four. I feel like UNLV is one season away from being a Mountain West contender, assuming they get some good transfers. They look much better. Though that was a pretty low bar. It was a very low bar, very low yeah. bar. They were bad. But to his point, I mean, if they can have a good grad transfer, or not grad transfer, I always just automatically say grad transfer. They had a good transfer offseason. Yeah, they because I, I think the coaching is there. I, as long as Arroyo and most of that staff stays together, I really like what they're doing, Ryan, as, as, a, as a football program. I really like the things that they're doing and the way that they're playing. And, you know, they're, they're not just out there out-towning people. They're, they're not that good of a football team. You know they're 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 coached well, and 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 we saw against the last two games that they are not where they need to be t- overall talent wise. They're they're not, but they're still going out there and and you know doing some good things. So yeah, I would I would like to see him. I would like to see him continue to be successful. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah, it's building. Because look look how the other teams in the Mountain West are trending right now. I mean, like Fresno State lost Kalen DeBoer. Jake Hayner's a six-year senior, so they're going to be out, and they've struggled without Hayner this year. 
You think about Nevada now that Jay Norvell has gone and Carson Strong and all those guys left this past offseason as well. They're down. I think Colorado State's going to take a, a step up eventually with Jay Norvell. Like, I think that that was a pretty good hire by them, and Jay's shown that he can be successful. But right now, they're not a good football team. San Diego State's down right now with Brady Hoke. Their offense is just a dumpster fire right now. And then the most consistent team now this year, Brian, is Air Force. And, like, that's yeah. awesome. Air, Air Force has done a tremendous job. But you know how military academies are, man. Sometimes they go a little bit up and down because it's right. it's tough to maintain a lot when you're one, in one of those situations. So I think UNV has a great opportunity. If they hit a couple transfers out of the ballpark, they recruit a little bit better, they continue to develop. I think Arroyo could build something pretty solid there in the Mountain West. I do. Yeah. And Air Force just had a bad loss two weeks ago. It they made did. like they, they lost losing to Utah State, like in Wyoming. You're like, what are you doing? That made no sense. San Jose State was rolling until they lost to Fresno last week. I mean, their only loss coming into that game last week was to Auburn by eight yeah. at Auburn. So it's been a weird year. Boise State's starting to get rolling. They're actually undefeated in the league right now, but um, they've been rolling ever since they benched their quarterback that they lost to UTEP and Oregon state in non-conference games. So they're, they're a weird team. So the mountain West is just not good to Ryan's point. It's there for the taking. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, I mean, remember how good the, the, the mountain West used to be that Utah, BYU, Boise, Nevada mm-hmm. was really good under Chris Alt. like the mountain West was like, and then there was years where Fresno was really good when they were well, even, the whack the mountain West. Like, yeah. I, I mean, like, good. yeah. Historically, they were really good in that era. But I mean, Brian, Brian, even think back to just last year, man. Like Nevada was a double-digit win team. Fresno State, State was a double-digit win team. Like San Diego State's always a good football team traditionally. Like just last year, Mount West was really good. Yeah. They took a they took a big downside of one off season. Honestly, yeah. in that conference, San, San Diego State especially that was weird. Yeah. They were a twelve and two football team last year. They beat Arizona on the road by twenty four. They beat Utah in overtime. You know, like they were, they lost to Fresno, who was pretty good. They lost to Utah State in the conference championship game, and then they went, they went and beat UTSA, who was really good last year, by two touchdowns. They beat Boise State by eleven. That that was that was Utah last year. Beat Nevada, who you said was a, a double digit or eight eight win team last year. Utah State was a double digit win team last year, uh, and they played each other in the conference championship. And then you come out this year, Utah State stinks. They're not very good. And then San Diego State's three and three. With yep. a blowout loss to Boise, a blowout loss to Utah, and a blowout loss to Arizona. Their wins are over Idaho, a three-point home win over Toledo, and then they beat Hawaii by two, who's not very good. So, And, and I still don't understand why uh, Jay Norvell left Nevada to go – Nevada, I'm sorry, to go to Colorado State. Yeah. I said Nevada, too. You're fine. No, but You're I fine. said both. So I'm going to try <laughs> to be consistent with it for this show. Uh, gotcha. So I, it just – I, I don't know. That didn't make a lot of sense. Unless maybe that's yeah, that, that seems, seems a little lateral of a move because he actually brought or, back, or not, even that. maybe like a step down. I, I don't like the Colorado State job. I don't. Yeah, I really don't like because even even um even his offensive coordinator Matt Mummy came with him too, which is like, huh, really interesting. So you're right. I mean, it, it was I definitely an odd move an issue there. Like maybe there's a reason he left. Like you know that that could be it too. Maybe possible. Uh, let's get to our next question here from Robert Bishop. Records aside, how does this – this is a good one, Ryan. I'll have you answer this one. How does this UNLV team compare or match up against Stanford? Okay, so, I mean, offensively, 
I think UNLV would give Stanford a little bit of issues, right? Because again, they are, they're pretty good in space. I think Ricky White in the passing game, as long as Doug Brumfield is healthy, will give them some issues. They'll be able to throw the football around a little bit. Stanford would probably do an okay job up front defensively, although they're not the most talented. UNLV's offense line is just not very good. So I think that they would make UNLV a little bit one-dimensional, but I think UNLV would have some good opportunities in the passing game against Stanford. Defensively, I just think, if, especially if Stanford's offensive line is healthy, like they'd be able to bully UNLV a little bit, right? Because they have one good defensive end, they have one good linebacker. But I think Stanford would have probably even better success running the football. Well, definitely better success than they had against Notre Dame. Like, there's no doubt about that. They would do a pretty good job there. And then passing wise, Tanner McKee would probably torch UNLV's secondary, right? Like Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins. They would have a lot of impact. So I think they would be able to score a lot against UNLV. But I do think UNLV would also score a little bit on Stanford. So I, mean, I think it would be I, a high-scoring game. I do. Yeah, I think it would be like, say like 38 like 40, to 30. Okay. I was going to say like 40, 42 to 30, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Similar. yeah. yeah. You, it's the same number of scores. You're just going with a, the your last score being another touchdown. Mine was another a field goal. I mean, we're in the same ballpark. I think they'd move on them. But I think Stanford would be able to control the clock and run on them. And Sanford's exactly. not a very good running team, but I think they'd run on this that that team, uh, I, I believe. And they would just throw back shoulders. They would Tanner McKee would have a field day against that defense. And what I mean, Stanford would run on them. It means more like just they'd be able to be balanced, you know. But they would throw all over them. And and I don't think this is a team, Ryan. Like th- their sack numbers are okay, right? Like their sack numbers are okay, but they've got to dial up pressures to get sacks. And I don't know if that's something that you would necessarily want to do. I mean, they got 17 sacks in seven games. That's that's not bad, but they got to dial up a lot of pressures. I mean, they're second and third leading sack guys are linebackers. They've got a D, they've got a DB sack. They've got, I mean, let's see, three, five, six of their 17 sacks are, or seven of their 17 sacks come from non-defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You know, so they got to dial up pressures, and that's that can hurt you against a team like. Notre Dame or a team like Stanford, if they can find ways to get the ball out and get the ball where it needs to go. So, yep, yeah, I, I think that'd be an exciting game. I mean, I think it'd be exciting. Game. I just don't think I don't think they have the horses at the end of the day to to really stay with them. Is the as Ryan Agreed. alluded to, Irish Mills five four zero. Will a gray hoodie be available, Brian? Not sure if this is a normal color that is available or not. Yeah, we have several different colors. So if you actually go to the merch store and the link is in, is below, if you're if you're on the YouTube channel. And if you're not on the YouTube channel, there's, I believe, a link to our store and, and our articles. I have to go look at that. I should probably have that in there. Uh, but if uh, you can also find it at boards.irishbreakdown.com. You can see a link to the store up the top. You don't have to be a member of Irish Breakdown to be able to click on the store. But uh, I think they, I think the address is like store.irishbreakdown.com, I believe. But anyway, um, if you cl- if like there's like a green hoodie picture, we have other colors than just the one that's there. So if you click on like a hat or a T-shirt or a hoodie, it'll have all the different colors that we have available for that particular shirt. So if you go there, you'll definitely want to check that out. And uh, th- we have, I have a gray hoodie. There's several gray hoodies. That's kind of my favorite color, to be honest with you. It's just kind of gray hoodies. And I got a couple different colors of gray hoodies. I got one actually over there. Uh, that's kind of like a Heather gray. It's the darker, the darker gray uh, on there as well. I, I just, put the, link in, I just put the link in the chat. If anybody okay. wants Thank to you. see it. Thank you. Yep. All right. So next question is from Jason Rose. Excuse me. Hey guys, who are some potential quarterback transfers in the offseason? Not just for their name, talking talking in general. So I want to I want to speak to this because we keep getting asked this a lot. It's really kind of useless to talk about that right now because any kid that's in the portal now is probably not a kid you're going to want to go after. 
because he either yeah. got benched or got in trouble, right? It's not really where you want to go. It's rare that a kid that can be a player at Notre Dame is going to enter the portal now. I have no idea who's going to enter the portal at the end of the season. Like for a minute there, it was looking like Tyler Van Dyke might enter the portal because he got benched in the game, but then he's come back and just ripped people since he came back. I think he's thrown for like almost 400 yards a game since he's since he got benched. If I if I'm if I'm remembering correctly on that, like the numbers correctly on that, but he has been brilliant. So I mean, now it's looking maybe a little less likely that he's going to hit the transfer portal. So there's just so many different factors that go into it, Ryan. I, I mean, it'd be kind of yeah. silly. Yeah, he's he threw for 496 against. So he got benched against Middle Tennessee. Threw for 138 yards that game, one touchdown, two picks. Came back against North Carolina. They had a bye week. Comes back against Carolina. Goes 42 of 57 for 496 yards and three touchdowns and a pick. Then comes out the next week on the road of Virginia Tech. Goes 29 of 46 for 351 yards and two touchdowns. So, yeah, I don't see him entering the portal now unless things go down again, which, of course, they could. But it's just it just it's way too early. I mean, we don't know what coaches are going to get fired. We don't know what transfers are going to go that then force somebody else. Into the, I mean, there's so much that goes into this. And so – I just it's not a question that we're gonna address. I wanted to bring it up because I know Jason, you're not the only one to ask this. It's just yep. the guys that are in the portal right now are not guys you're gonna want. Like Hank Bachmeyer is not a guy that I would want their name to go after. Like, no. And any, you know, and and I think it'd be unfair for me to speculate that hey, so and so, and I'm only bringing up Tyler Van Dyke now because it looks like he's not gonna be a portal guy, but you know, hey, this guy's gonna get in the portal, that guy's gonna get in the portal. You know, I mean, there's some interesting potential options, but we need to see how things play out first, you know? Well, and people are projecting a lot of guys that, like, you don't even know will be available. Like, I mean, we've been asked several times, and, you know, I'm an advocate of Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, but he's not in the portal. People have talked a lot about Cade McNamara. Like, there's a lot of guys that are just kind of been thrown out there. Like, we don't know That's who's going to be available. For sure, I would not go after. Yes. I mean, yes. A, he Agreed. decommitted from your program and left you to go to Michigan, right, number one. Yep. Number two, he's not that good. You know, and he's Drew Pine. He's a less yeah, mobile he, version he, of Drew Pine. He literally you know, is Drew like, Pine. Yeah, you're right. You know, so uh, no, that's definitely not one that I would I would look into at all. And you know, you talk, you keep talking about Jeff Sims. You know, he's six games in. He's got five touchdowns and two picks. Right. I mean, he's he's going to have to start playing a lot better before you're going to be able to go make a run at him. But that's the other thing too, is a guy that's maybe not playing well now that make John Porter. If he lights it up down the stretch to the point where you're going to want him, he may not want to leave then. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. We'll we'll have plenty to talk about in the offseason about quarterback transfers. But it is something that what I will say, Ryan, is they no matter what happens with, with Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner, they need to go get a transfer quarterback, transfer portal quarterback to that can compete. Now, are you handing that guy to the job? No. He's going to have to battle. But – they need to have someone that can. They need a Jack Cone type or better that can come in and compete and then make mm-hmm. that guy win the job. And if he does, great. If he doesn't, great, because that means those other kids have stepped up and, and played well. It's a great question from Katie Kievers. Thank you, Katie. What is the first thing? And, Katie, I wanted to thank you, too. Um, you, when uh, the North Carolina postgame show, when I had just gotten the news about Rita, and was told that the vet had told her told us that we needed to put her down. I thought I was hiding it well, but Katie noticed that something was wrong. And I and I just wanted to thank you for that, by the way, that compassion, that care. I had somebody email me today, Ryan, just saying, hey, with everything going on, I hope you're doing okay. Are you handling? You know, I, I can't tell you how much I love this community and just the family feel and how people care about each other. It's really amazing. And so, Katie, I wanted to thank you. And I know John is also, your husband John's also 
uh, a watcher of the show. So I wanted to thank you guys very, very much for your support and care. But Katie has a good question. What is the first thing you are looking for on Saturday to reassure you that Freeman has righted the ship? Ryan, I'll let you start off with that one, and then I will certainly say what, what I'm looking for on Saturday. So what is the first thing that you're looking for on Saturday to reassure you that Coach Freeman has righted the ship? Well, I think macro view, it's energy, right? Like, I, I think that we've talked a lot about that, right? Like, there just doesn't seem to be any juice to this team right now. Like, I want to see going from pregame into the game, guys excited to be there, man. Look like they have a, a reason to come out with the fire in the belly, right? Like, I need to see that. So energy is the biggest thing. Outside of that, I mean, offensively, I want to see simplification, right? Like, and defensively, too, I want to see guys – flying around and you can tell Brian you can tell got when guys are much more confident in what is expected of them because they just move a little bit faster they read a little bit cleaner you can tell very early I believe Katie like what if the offense and defense are working at a better pace because guys are just more excited to be there so I think just from a macro view it's energy man I want to see energy around this team and I just feel like there hasn't been a lot of energy over the last few games that's certainly one and I think that's an important one, Ryan. For me, is I want to see some tempo. I want to see some aggressiveness in all phases of the game. I want to see the offense coming out, not doing the scan stuff and not going slow. Because if they just come out and they're still doing the scan stuff and it works against UNLV's pretty bad defense, it doesn't It doesn't mean that you've changed anything. It just means you have way better players than they have. I want to see them come out with some aggressiveness. Now, aggressiveness does not mean coming out throwing bombs. Aggressiveness can be tempo. It can mean mixing up your runs. It means looking to, to create big play opportunities. I want to see the defense being aggressive. Again, aggressive doesn't mean seven-man pressures. It means flying to the ball. And so it's kind of like what Ryan is saying, but for me it's an aggressiveness thing. But then I also want to see, Katie, more like specific to the game – I want to see that the stuff they talked about today, that the simplification thing, I want to see it manifest. I want to see them, you know, coming out and, and not like to me, the scan means you've got a lot of volume and you need to get in the right call. If you're just coming out going tempo, hey, we're getting in these looks and we're going. And there may be situations on third down where you've you want to do the scan to make sure you get into a good look. I mean, those are downs where you will see more of that, right? And but just overall, I want to see that. I want to see the teams mixing them up. I want to see, I want to see. That they, I want to see that they've made some of the schematic changes and philosophical changes that are needed for this team to be successful. That's going to be the big thing for me, Katie, because Notre Dame can come out and overwhelm Stanford, overwhelm UNLV, and and it and and we're still going to say at the end, not a thing has changed, not a thing has changed, and that's um, that's what we do. I, that's the thing I do not want to be saying at the end of this game, Ryan, is that, yeah, they rolled this team that's really good, but we really didn't see anything different. And right. that would be a very disappointing sign. That's a worst-case scenario, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst-case scenario. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Kyle Wade has a comment. So bold prediction front for me. Tobias Merriweather, Lorenzo Styles, and Michael Mayer go for 100 each, and estimate hits 150. No one else will get significant targets in the pass game. So we had to get that little negative comment in there despite the, the good start. But look, here's the deal. If those three guys all go over 100 yards, I don't care if anybody else gets targeted in the pass game. I mean, that's, yeah, 100%, a, that's, a good, 100%. that's a great sign because it means two receivers went for over 100. That's a good sign. And that's kind of what we talked about, earlier, whether it's Brayden Lindsey and Lorenzo, whether it's Lorenzo and Tobias, whether it's Tobias and Jaden Thomas. I don't care as long as it's, you know, two of those guys you know, that kind of go out and got a hundred, I'd be fine with that. 
Because yeah. I don't expect them to throw 50 passes in this game. So, you know, that would also mean that you ripped off some big plays against UNLV as well, Ryan. And on top of that, if you had that, because, I mean, that's 300-plus yards just out of three players, right? And then if you if you combine that with Estimate running for 150, Estimate is a part of the committee approach, right? So that's not even counting what Chris Tyree did, what Logan Diggs did, if the quarterback had any positives in the run game as well. Like, all those things together – that is a great offensive day, and boy, does Notre Dame need it, Kyle. So I'm here for it, man. I sign up. I sign on the data line right now for that type of day. Yep, absolutely. Getting the questions rolling in now. Ray Holcroft, at this point, what is a successful season? Seven and five or eight and four, or is it about the coaching utilizing their players to their strengths and guys start to play to their potential? What does success look like now? I want to rephrase his original question, Ryan. Because yep. right now, I don't think there's anything that I would necessarily consider a successful season when you look at the season as a whole. Because mm-hmm. you lost to Marshall, because you lost to Stanford. If it was just the Marshall loss, that can be overcome. But you're you're now at best nine and three. However, I do think that a successful finish could give this program a lot of momentum that would make it look like a successful season. As we said, look, nine and three is not a successful season to me. And that's the best they can do with this talent and who you lost to. Now, what would make for a successful finish to me? I mean, obviously six and O is the easy one, but they've got to go five and one down the stretch. And the loss they have has to be to Clemson or USC. And it has to be really, really close. That Mm -hmm. would be a successful finish. Now it's still an overall disappointing season, but I think you'd at least have some momentum in that scenario. Where yeah. you you know you you now look if you if you go six and zero oh, I think and then let's say they get into the Gator Bowl and play an SEC team and win okay then we maybe can have a conversation about you know what it didn't start well but the way they finished and the momentum they have this is a success successful season because it is, it's going to springboard you to success for next year okay we can have that conversation it it would still be a team that didn't reach their potential and that's kind of the last part is I want to see this team playing like the team it's capable of being. If that means 6-0, and 5-1, oh, and 4-2, and two, if there's a lot of injuries, I just want to see that this staff knows how to get the most out of this football team, whatever that looks like. It's just, in my opinion, I think if that happens, 5-1 and one and 6-0 and oh, is who this team should be if they start playing to their potential week after week. But the way this team is, Ryan, they could go out and beat Syracuse and Clemson in back-to-back games, beat Navy, and you think everything's turned around, and then they could lose at home to Boston College. That's how weird this team has been so far this year. And it's just hard to predict who they're going to be. And and that's the concern. So I want to see that being gone. That's the other thing is I want to see some a level of consistency from this football team. And if they do that and start playing to their potential, then I think this team could go on a roll. I, I do. I do. And we've seen them do it. I mean, if they play like they did against North Carolina, they can beat anybody they have on their schedule, in my opinion. Just I don't know if they're going to do that. Yeah. Call me. Call me Ty says, do you guys think Foskey could play some big end and be useful against spread teams? Maybe use Justin Adamiola or Jordan Patejo or whoever at Viper. Ryan, looks like you have an answer to that one. I mean, it's 100%, Brian. I mean, look, Isaiah Foskey has not made the impact from a sack perspective or from a tackle for loss perspective that we wanted to this year or just from a consistent pressure perspective. But the one thing Isaiah has done really well is he's been a good player in the run game for the most part. Like, he's done a good job – 
getting hands-on, gaining extension, working off of blocks. He's done some good stuff in the run game. So can he play big end? Absolutely. No doubt. I mean, the kid's mm-hmm. 6'5", 260 pounds with long arms. Like, he could play big end, and especially against spread teams and teams that are going to ask to, you know, not many tight end, uh, you know, usage in the offense and a team that just wants to spread you out. Yes, absolutely. And I actually think this is the week that I might want to see it a little bit more, right? Because we talked about maybe moving – Riley Mills a little more inside against a spread team of UNLV and kind of utilizing the length and the explosive that he has inside, putting Isaiah as that big end and getting guys like Justin on the field. I mean, I think that's a great option. So, yes, in long answer to say, yes, I believe that he could play big end, especially against spread teams. All right, let's get to some more questions here. John Awanski. As a question here, John, thank you for your super for your question. Brian and Ryan, from your sources, do you know if Tommy and Mark Freeman have have uh, strategy sessions like Brady and Belichick had back in the day? Heard you talk about how it needs to happen, but I'm shocked it's not. I mean, they talk. I'm sure they talk on a regular basis. I mean, from from the comments that Coach Freeman makes, it sounds like he knew kind of going in what the game plans are. I just don't think he's having enough of a thorough evaluation of it as much and maybe that's something that should change is and that's something that's got to happen like on monday you know or yes. sunday when they start their practices if you're if if the if it's like because some head coaches will do this like they'll just hey meet with me on friday let's go over the game plan and all that that's because you've got a veteran coach and you trust what they're going to do and you just want to know what's going on so you can be prepared to handle the week and all that kind of stuff i think it needs to with where things are going now it need it needs to happen at the beginning of the week just so you can make sure, like one of the things we heard, uh, and I heard this from multiple very, very close sources, is the Marshall week. So they practiced Monday and Tuesday because remember they they usually practice Sunday and Tuesday, but they had all those travel issues coming back from Ohio State, so they didn't practice till Monday. So Monday and Tuesday they had a certain game plan that was geared more towards stopping the run. Sounds like a good idea based on how Marshall is as a team and their quarterback can't throw the ball past ten yards and just who they are, right? And how that game portrayed Wednesday. I was told they scrapped, and I was told this during the week, and I should have listened to it. They scrapped that game plan and went with a new game plan that was more pass game oriented. Like that kind of stuff can't happen. Head coach can't allow that to happen. You know what I mean? And it's like, why are we switching to a pass oriented game plan with Henry Columbia as the quarterback? Like a run oriented game plan is going to stop what they do throwing the football, right? Make them beat you down the field. Notre Dame didn't go with that game plan. They went with a softer game plan, and and Marshall just ran at them, picked them apart with quick game, and they played right into Marshall's hands, right? That's where the head coach has got to say, mm, nope, that's not a good idea, right? And now that's what we talked about yesterday, Ryan, and I, I know you were listening because you were in the chat asking who my favorite employee was. Uh, but uh, uh, he's got a – he. I know he wants to let his coaches coach, but this is still on him. Right. This is still on him. And I think he needs to have more of a say in those kind of things. And at least at the very least, if you know, you got to go over to game plan with him, maybe there's a little bit more accountability that you're yeah. going to make sure you've really thought this through and, and have a good plan when you're going to sit down with that coach. I mean, he's going to handle, he's going to take all the scrutiny when they, when they win or lose, right. Or when they lose. Right. So right. why wouldn't you have your stamp on it? I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm the leader of something, if I am the, CEO, if I am the overseer, and at the end of the day, my name is on the line, I would like to stamp everything about the company, about the team, yeah. about the program, whatever. Like it's your baby, right? Like it's his, th- it's his. 
So make it your Right, you know what that's make like. <laughs> you know what that's <laughs> like. What? <laughs> just like like having to run everything through me early on, just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like as you were getting started, just like every, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? Because like you said, it's your baby. And if it fails, yeah. you're the one that's held responsible for it. If you're Marcus Freeman, it's, it's you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, he needs to take more control. And it sounds like, at least from what we've heard, that he did. Now I just want to see it play out on Saturday. That's it's positive. Yep. Me. It was a big positive hearing it. Now we need to see it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Irish Mills 540. Brian, I know we're focusing on this current season, but what are your thoughts on if we go into 2023 with Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, and Steve Angeli as our only quarterbacks concerning or I'm very concerned just from a standpoint of Tyler Buckner is injury prone and you're back to being in the situation you are now where you're an injury away for or a guy struggling away from Ron Paulus third being your backup quarterback. That's that's no shot attempt a shot at Ron Paul's, but there's a reason he didn't have any offers from any power five schools coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it is concerning. It's very concerning. Yeah. And so at the very least they need a 2023 quarterback in there at the very least. But I, I would I say get a 23 yeah. and exactly Ryan, they need a 23 kid and a transfer just because look, Tyler Buckner could go into this off season. And if he placed his potential, he can beat out whoever they bring in. I think he's mm-hmm. that talented, but his lack of development is a major concern and his lack of being healthy is a major concern. Now, if he has a miraculous healing and he comes back and maybe he starts the last three games in the bowl game and he rips it up, maybe that takes away a little bit of the perceived need. But even then, I'm still going out and getting a transfer to quarterback to compete with him because I don't know if he's going to get hurt again in the first or second game of the year like he did in high school once and like he did this year. So it's not any kind of knock or me losing faith in Tyler Buckner as a player. I have not lost any faith in Tyler Buckner as a player. I'm concerned about the lack of development because of all the missed seasons, and I'm concerned about the injury history. And you have to protect yourself against that. And if Tyler beats that guy out, great. But if that happens, then you have that guy, Andrew Pine, prepared to go out and back him up, assuming that everybody stays. Josh H91, this is actually really funny, Ryan. I had to bring this one up. If you're UNLV, do you purposely get into third and longs? You're guaranteed to convert or regain 98% of the yards and have a good look at fourth and short. So, like, basically, Josh is advocating for if you're in the third and five to get a couple false starts because you're pretty much (laughs) – I mean, it's it's funny because it's – it's either you either laugh or cry at that comment because there's a lot of truth to it. And I'm going to just choose to laugh because just go, just get into yeah. third and 17 all day and run a draw. It'd be all right. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> or a shovel pass. One of the two is going to work for you. So yeah. Oh, or a, oh, or a fake draw shovel pass. Let's combine the both. Let's combine. Them. Yes. Love oh, there it. There you go. There you go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. Garland Dixie, Doxy, excuse me, Garland Doxy with a question. Brian, B. Ryan, do y'all think the mat that the mass could be the cause for the slow starts? Could that be uh, why BK stopped it on game day? No, no. The, they do the pregame mass for the player walk. It, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It. I don't have it, see any scenario in how that could be why they get false starts and don't complete passes and throw balls into the ground. And I mean, you're over two hours away from the mass by the time the game kicks off. Yeah. So am I dismissing it, Garland? No, when you're when you're having the season that has you consider everything, but I don't think that's an issue. I don't think that's an issue at all. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Michael Johnson with a question. Brian and Ryan, could uh, Brandon Hillman play quarterback at Notre Dame, and are we still looking to flip a quarterback? So let's take the first one. Ryan and answer that one. So I'll let you take a shot at this. I don't think he's a quarterback for Notre Dame on certain levels. I think he could be a quarterback, right? Like on, on certain other programs and certain other levels, I think that he could be a really good quarterback, but I, I really think Michael, when I, when I look at Brandon Hillman, I, the things that pop out for me are the physicality he plays with and the athleticism he brings to the table. So I much rather utilize that type of kid as a, running back, wide receiver, safety, rover, whatever. Like I want physicality to be the reason that he is on the field because I think that he brings a load of potential in that department. So I don't want to take away the explosiveness. I don't want to take away the physicality. I I just don't, I honestly just don't think he's a good enough passer to be a full-time quarterback at Notre Dame. I mean, could he be system. a guy that maybe – in this system, 100%. Yes, in this system – but he could play rover for me all day long. He can play running back for me all day long. He's an extremely talented football player. Just don't think he's a quarterback for Notre Dame now. Agree. I mean, look, there are systems he could play quarterback in. 100%. But this isn't one of them. And, and as Ryan said, I want him at a position where he can really maximize his talent. And I think receiver could be that. Running back could be that. I like him on defense. And I think yes. that's the thing that I, that I love about him is, you know, you and I, I think, both like him more as like a rover, a safety he slash rover type. He is a rover waiting to happen, right. man. Yes. I know a buddy of mine who's a good evaluator, likes him at re- receiver. Another guy's like, man, he's really dynamic with the ball in his hands. I'd like to see him get a shot at running back. Now, that was before Jeremiah Love committed, right? But right. – Right. The fact that people that I know who I respect their ability to break down film like this kid at different positions than me says a lot about this kid's versatility. And you just you can't miss on kids like that. And again, again he's from the 757, so clearly he's a baller. I mean, that's just a given <laughs> clearly, uh, clearly at this point in time. So, you know, but in all seriousness, I do love him on defense. I mean, as a true does, rover, does get, not as a does hybrid he, linebacker rover, but a true rover of what the rover Doesn't he give you be. some – doesn't he give you some Jeremiah Wusukoromoa yeah. vibes? Like, yeah. doesn't he? More, like, he just more, more quick. About in here, yeah. Same similar body type, although he's a little bit longer and a little thicker yeah. than Jeremiah was at the same age. Mm-hmm. Uh, more more quick and explosive than Burner, which is also yes. similar to Jeremiah and can be somewhat limiting on offense. For being honest, uh, similar power when he arrives at the ball. Similar range to Jeremiah. Like, there's a lot of things that that are similar. And he plays with a little bit more discipline than Jeremiah did. Jeremiah was just a pure freelancer. Even in college, he was. A, it took him until the second year to really get away from that. And so, uh, you know, I I think that man, I, this kid's a big time sleeper to me. I, mean, I grade him out as a four star player, right? I mean, this is a good football player. This kid can flat yep. out play. Yep. And I'll say that's something I've really liked about this staff. They have shown me the ability to find some sleeper type kids that are now ascending. You know, yep. like they got in on Brandon Hillman and were talking to him before all the offers started reeling in from Virginia, Virginia Tech, BC, Tennessee, yep. programs like that. 
they got in on Tayshawn Lyons. Like they saw him. I mean, we're sitting there that's thinking, what I was man, about to say, you know, yeah. you're going to lose Ronan Hannafin. This sucks. And it's like, you know what? I still, Ronan's a higher ranked player for me because of the versatility, but as a pure receiver and the fit in this class, you could argue that Tayshawn Lyons is a better fit for the need in this class than Ronan is because Ronan's very similar to like Braylon James and, and, and Jaden Greathouse. The mm-hmm. thing I said about Tayshawn Lyons in in a, an article that I wrote, my midweek musings, I talked about him. I said he has route potential like Rico Flores. He's got yeah. take the top off the defense potential like Braylon James, and he's got after the catch potential like Dylan Edwards. Mm-hmm. The only thing he doesn't mm-hmm. have is Jaden Greathouse's size. I mean, he's got a little bit of everybody else to his game, yeah. and he's he's more built like Rico. But I mean, is that an inaccurate description of his game, which is a better fit? for what this class needs than even the Ronan Hannafin was. And that's not to say that I've changed my opinion of Ronan Hannafin. I haven't. I haven't watched mm-hmm. a senior film, but I haven't. It's just about when, you, when you're like, man, you lost him, and you end up going to get a kid who's pretty flipping good and, and maybe even a better compliment to what you have. It was my and point. I remember when they first um, when they first took a look and offered Jeremiah Love, too, Brian. Like, he was kind of lowly rated on a couple yeah. different outlets. Like, he was, right. a he was a three-star at one point. Three-star. Consensus yeah. three-star. Yeah. yeah. So they even identified him pretty early comparative. Which is a well, big so. reason why they got him because they yeah. got on him before all those other big schools. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's the reason, but it's I wouldn't argue it's in the top five. And and I don't even know if he would say that, but it's just that you were able to establish that connection before all those other big time programs got in on him. So yep. yes, they and they've always done a good job of that with like linemen and tight ends and stuff like that, but they're doing that with skill players. That's mm-hmm. a really good sign for this this staff's ability. Uh, you know, and huge kudos to Chad Bowden for this because he plays a role in it. But also the staff, like you know, the fact that as soon as they lost Ronan, they immediately had Malachi Riley and Tayshawn Lyons to kind of look at and evaluate. They'd already been talking to these kids and all that. They decided rightly on Tayshawn because I think he's a better fit. Because like Malachi Riley to me is a good player, but he's like yeah. a not as good version of Rico Flores. You've already got a kid like that who's better than him. Agree. Tayshawn brings that really nice complimentary skill set. And as as you see, he's just climbing up the national rankings. I mean, on three's got him as a borderline top hundred kid now. And I would hope that the others would would kind of come through on that one as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Good question, Michael. Oh, and then uh, are we still looking to flip a quarterback? Yes, they are. Yes. I'm gonna have an article coming out this week. So we've been asked to keep the names of the specific guys are going after quiet. Some of them, you know, like everybody knows they're going after Avery Johnson, but I'm going to come out with a list of quarterbacks that I think that they should go after. Some of them are guys that they are after. Some of them are guys I think they should go after. Uh, and so we'll have that this week, but yes, they are definitely still trying to flip a quarterback. Will they be able to flip one? I don't know. I really don't. Uh, Kenny Minchie's not going to happen. That one's not going to happen. That one's over with. He just not interested. I think they waited too late. And then how they handled quarterback recruiting where like they, made it so publicly obvious that like they wanted Austin Novus out. I think Kenny Minchie's like, okay, you wanted Dante Moore over me. You know, I told you I was interested. And then you go make this public push for, for Austin Novus out, which I mean, I kind of understand because he was going to make a decision sooner, but right. you know, the way they handled it, I think you kind of ruined any chance to get Kenny Minchie. The way that they've recruited quarterbacks in recent years is just mind boggling how bad they've just screwed so many of these recruitments up. It's just well we'll have I'm sure we'll have some intel on the board if this cycle ends oh, yeah. terribly for quarterback oh, yeah. recruiting. But no, we yeah. we will. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh Tyler Binge, uh Brian and Ryan and the chat, your number one Heisman winner that performed the worst in the NFL. Ooh. I mean number one Heisman winner that performed I mean there's 
I mean, there's been a lot of NFL guys that didn't perform well in the in, in the NFL. Um, uh-huh. I mean, as far as my lifetime, yeah, you know, I mean, Danny Warfel was pretty bad in the NFL, but I don't know if I ever expected him to not be bad in the NFL. I don't don't think that was ever kind of a a thing. Uh, I'm trying to think, did Trent like, Richardson? You know, did Trent Richardson win win the Heisman? He did not. No. He did not. He did not win the Heisman. No, he did not. So, like, no. here's sort of the Heisman. Okay, here's one. Here's one. Yeah. I got one for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Gino Toretta. Uh, he won it over Marshall Falk that year. What the, a joke yeah, that he, was. Yes. Yeah. That, Marshall Falk and Garrison Hurst. Yes. So, yes, it, it, he is in the College Football Hall of Fame, which I think is in, I just think is nuts. Uh, I'm gonna, I, that, he, that, a, that agrees with you on that one. Yes, yes, like nuts. But he wanted here. Here was the top five. Here was the top six that year, and I think they all should have got it. Well, four top five should have all got it over him. Marshall Falk. Mm-hmm. So Gino Toretta passed for three thousand yards, barely completed fifty percent of his passes, nineteen touchdowns, seven interceptions on a really good Miami team. Marshall Falk rushed for sixteen hundred and thirty yards, fifteen touchdowns. Garrison Hurst rushed for 1,547 yards and 19 touchdowns that year. Marshall Falk also that season in 92 had 182, 128 receiving yards. Marshall Falk got screwed out of the Heisman, of the Heisman twice, by the way. Yes, he uh, did. With all due respect to Charlie Ward the next year, the mm-hmm. fact that Marshall Falk – here, here's Marshall Falk's year, the numbers in 93. In 93, Marshall Falk rushed for 1,530 yards, 21 touchdowns, caught 47 passes for 644 yards and three more touchdowns, and he finished fourth in the Heisman Trophy voting behind flipping Heath Schuler and David Palmer from Alabama. Heath freaking Schuler, who passed for 2,300 yards that year. So I am okay with Charlie Ward getting it. Charlie was really good that year, although he didn't play great in the the biggest game they played all year. But 92 mm-hmm. – and then number four was Marvin Harris, Marvin Jones. And then number five was Reggie Brooks. I'd have given it to Reggie Brooks over Gino Toretta. Like, yeah. that was a joke. That was an you absolute know, joke. Do you know Mar- Marshall Falk almost went to USC, but they wanted him to play defensive back at USC? They didn't want him to play running back. So. Kind of like Notre Dame yeah. and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He liked <laughs> yes. Notre Dame a lot, but they wanted him to play defensive back. Ugh. Here's here's oh, my Lord answer. 2011 Heisman Trophy winner. I I thought Robert Griffin Jr. Uh, Robert Griffin the third, excuse me, was going to be really good in the NFL. I did, I really did. And After he his was rookie, until the knee he injury. Like I mean, he yep. really was until the knee injury. But Gino Toretta was bad. Danny Warfel was bad. But I mean, he was, just, eh, you know, Ron Dane was a big disappointment for me. I thought he was. Yes, he be was. He's a Chris New Jersey Winkie guy too. Good. Yeah, Chris Winkie wasn't very good. I mean, Eric Crouch didn't even really play in the NFL. Jason White, I don't think he really played in the NFL. No. Uh, so I mean, I mean Tim Tebow wasn't great, but he you know had a playoff win. Since then, I mean Johnny Manziel, that didn't surprise. I didn't expect him to be good in the NFL. Marcus Mariota's been eh, okay, but yeah, I think uh, I think as you look back on it, I mean I, I'd have to go with Gino Toretta. He was he was pretty bad. I remember. And I remember should, when they won it though. But yes. I remember when the Rams drafted Eric Crouch to play wide receiver. They drafted yeah. him, and then right after they drafted him, he said, I'm not playing wide receiver in the NFL. And it's like, all right, well, I guess you're not playing in the NFL then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Like, okay, dude, whatever. Uh, yeah, Gino Toretta in his NFL career went 5 mm-hmm. of 16 for 41 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That's it. That's not surprising, but that guy had no business winning the Heisman Trophy. I, I, I remember Jesus. Like, 
Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I remember Jason White got drafted in like the sixth or seventh round by the Titans, I yeah. think, and they never played at all. Like, right. And, and you knew he wasn't going to play. So, like, I guess I don't even really consider him like a performing the worst because he never really played. You know, like yep. Gino was bad. Gino was bad. And and Danny Worf only really played for Spurrier when he took over the Redskins. <laughs> that was really the only time he really played. Oh, train wreck! Warful and uh, Patrick Ram or uh, Patrick Ramsey was the quarterback too, yeah. and it was just yeah, yeah. it was bad. It was yeah. bad. Like I thought, I thought that Rocket should have got it over Ty Detmer in nineteen ninety, but I kind of understood why Ty got it. I mean, threw for over five thousand yards, but like then like yeah. why not give it to David Klingler? Who also threw for over five thousand yards, but had six more, had thirteen more touchdowns than Ty Detmer and eight fewer interceptions. Ty Detmer won the Heisman Trophy, throwing twenty-eight interceptions. Twenty-eight interceptions. That's bad. (laughs) Even then, that's bad. You know, it's just like, come on, guys, what are we doing here? What are we? What are we doing here? This is a this is a joke. But whatever, whatever. Anyway. All right, let's get to some more questions here so we can wrap, wrap up here. Uh, USMA, what teams are the biggest surprises this year? Teams we thought would be bad and aren't. Teams we thought will be good but aren't. Well, I mean, obviously Notre Dame's kind of got to be in that conversation. Yeah. Easy obviously, one for me, Brian. Go ahead, Easy Ryan. one for me. I I thought Illinois would be okay this year, but Illinois is good, man. Like, they're good. I watched their defense the other day. They were giving up eight, eight points a game. They are have – surrendered two touchdown passes and intercepted 12 passes and letting up less than three yards of carry. Illinois has been a big surprise for me this year, man. They are a good team, a good football team. We had said during the, we did a big 10, Sean Davis and I did a big 10 preview. And and we said that there's potentially five teams in the West that could win the West. We even went down as far as Illinois. Now we said, look, Illinois, you know, biggest question marks, but you know, but uh, that speaking of that, I really thought I really thought Scott Frost was going to actually win somewhat at Nebraska this year. I really did. I thought with the way that they finished last year, with you know how competitive they were, I was like, no, he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do some good things. He's gonna do some good things, and uh, they've been a, a absolute train wreck. There's been a lot of teams, Ryan, that I thought were going to be decent this year that aren't, and there's some teams that like we my my sleeper team this year was Tennessee, if you remember. I mm-hmm. really thought Tennessee was going to have a breakout. So far, they have. I mean, again, we're only halfway yeah. through the year. Uh, but uh, I did not expect TCU to be this good or Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. I didn't expect yeah. either one of those teams to be this good. Uh, I, I didn't think Oklahoma was going to be as – I ripped people for making Oklahoma top 10 team. I didn't think it would be this bad. Right. Uh, but BC I thought was going to be a lot better than they are. They're bad. I mean, they're, they're really bad. bad. Uh, yeah. I thought Miami would be better than they are, but I'm curious to see if Miami it's going on one. the road and beating Virginia Tech can go on a run. Because I predict them to go nine and three. They're, that's still there for them. I think mm-hmm. their schedule is is favorable for that potential. I mean, they have to, I think probably have like one upset to win. I think they play. Yeah, they play at Clemson, but mm-hmm. they play home against Duke at Virginia, home against Florida State at Georgia Tech. All very winnable games for them. And then the last yeah. game of the year, they're home against Pitt. Those are all very winnable games for Miami. Uh, it, it's just then it's the at Clemson at Clemson game is going to be tough for them to get to nine and three, but certainly capable of, of rallying down the stretch. Uh, yeah. Uh, trying to think, I didn't expect Baylor. Oh, here's to be another one this year. Go ahead. Here's a, here's another one. This is more just one side of the ball. I cannot believe how bad Virginia is offensively. Just can't believe it, man. Like I, yeah. I wasn't a big Tony Elliott guy at all, and I'm still not a Tony Elliott guy, but I did not think that he would single handedly destroy that offense. Like he's yeah. done, man. Like it is I so did. bad. 
I did. That bad I watched though? It at like this bad? Yeah. Did you watch oh, Clemson last year? Yeah, I thought it'd be I did, bad. but like, oh, yeah. man, that's crazy. Because I never that's thought crazy. Brandon Armstrong was that good of a quarterback. I thought they really used him well, and he had really sure. good weapons. But, yep. no, I, I'm not shocked that they're as bad as they are. And they lost their only good offensive lineman, too. Mm-hmm. He transferred to Michigan. A team that's been a lot better than I thought is Purdue. They're all, yeah. I, I thought they'd finish second to last in that division because of all the losses they had. And they're not only are they five and two, they're two plays away from being seven and oh, right? Now. I know they choked know. away the, the Penn State game at the end, and then you know, and then Syracuse beat them at the end of the game, too. They're, they're not very far from being a really good football team at all. Uh, I, Ryan, you know that I thought UCLA had a chance to be really good this year. You know that I've been riding that mm-hmm. UC, UCLA train for a while. I thought Washington would somewhat bounce back. There's nobody really in the Pac-12 that's not good that I thought was going to be good. Uh, SEC, everybody's pretty much about where I thought they would be. Arkansas is yeah. not as good as I thought they'd be, but not by much. I thought they'd be 5-2 and two right now. They're 4-3, and three. Uh, not by much. I didn't think the A&M was going to be very good. They're not. Uh, everybody else is kind of on par based on where their schedule of where I thought they would be. There aren't a lot of teams that have been way better than I thought. Other than, like I said, Purdue, is there anybody else that's been better, like way better than you thought that they would be this year? USC is a little better than I thought, but there's, the schedule hasn't really yeah. been as hard as I thought it would be either. But they yeah. battled against Utah. I mean, they were competitive in that game. They, they, they. I mean, played it to the wire. I think you were a little higher on this team than I was, but I think Minnesota, for the most part, has been a little better than I thought. Like, I mean, I yeah. think they're just four and two um, now, but like they've yeah, still yeah, been better. They've disappointed me. It's because it, I thought they'd be. They'd have a shot. The thing I said about them is I picked them to finish like third or fourth in the West, but because their schedule's mm-hmm. so hard. Yeah. But losing at home to Purdue was a bad loss. Really bad yeah. loss. And well, of course, get they a did big, it without Ibrahim, Big upset this so. week, though. Big, okay. big upset we this go. weekend. So there we go. And you know, I this team is exactly where I thought they'd be. But I'm gonna tell mm-hmm. you, I really like what Joey McGuire is doing at Texas Tech. They're three and three, yeah. which is about where I thought they'd be right now. But they're this tough. is a this is not Mike Leach's Texas Tech. This is a team that plays hard. You yeah. know, they they're they're well coached. They just don't have the players right now. I'm telling you, they're a team that we'll look out for in the Big 12 moving forward. I really like what Joey mm-hmm. McGuire is doing there. And you know he's gonna recruit well in state because you know he's tied into all those all those schools. So really like the job he's doing there. And Baylor, I expected Baylor to, to not be very good this year, but they're actually a little better than I thought they'd be, to be honest with you. I agree like, with they, that one. They, they compete, they're one. a very well coached football team. Their record's about where I thought their record be. But, yeah, and then, um, you know, but, yeah, some of the teams that are surprises, remember preseason I said North Carolina's going to be a lot better than people thought. I thought that they would mm-hmm. be because I, you know, I, I didn't th- I didn't think it because of Drake May. I, I honestly did not expect that. I actually thought Jacoby Criswell would be the guy at quarterback. But Drake May's been great. But I just thought Carolina was going to have a bounce back year this year, and we'll see how they can finish. Here's one. Here's one that's really good that I think has been good, Syracuse. I didn't think mm-hmm. Syracuse was going to be this good because I didn't think Garrett Schrader was going to be able to play the way he's played. That's one. That's definitely one that's better than I thought they were going to be, for sure. I, and I I'm th- sure we I all thought, had um, we, we all had Tulane at six one right now, right, Ryan? Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Willie Fritz, baby, fight Willie Fritz. Doing a great um, job, man. He is really is the the one team that I thought was going to be. I, I thought they were going to take a little bit of a down trot, but I didn't think it would be this bad. Is Michigan State looks just awful, man. So far yeah, I'm not year. surprised like, by it. They, it was smoke I and mirrors. They were going to take a step year, back, but like this year's smoke and mirrors last year, smoke and mirrors, and then they lost two of the three guys that were the primary drivers of that success. 
in uh, Walker and then the receiver that left too. So was it Nailer's the one that left last year, right? Or Nailer, came Nailer. Nailer, Speedy Nailer. He's yep. the one that left, right? Yes. Jonathan Gabrick with a question here as we as we wind down. He says, uh, what does Notre Dame do Friday before the game? Do they stay in a hotel or do they all stay wherever they live? They stay in a hotel. They have family over. And, I mean, it's similar routine to what they did last year. I mean, it, I don't I don't really think it's that, honestly. I think it's more about just the preparation. I, I really think that's a big part of it, you know. And, and yeah, I, I don't know that they're doing really anything different. They get a hotel. They see the family. You know, that kind of thing, which is something they should do. I mean, you should be able to see your family when they come in town. Yep. Robert Bishop asks, is Jackson Arnold flippable? My OU co-worker say he's locked in there, but do acknowledge Notre Dame has tried to pursue him lately. Notre Dame has tried to pursue him for a while. They were trying to, under the radar, get him to visit for the Clemson game. Once that got reported, however, it almost all but eliminated any chance that that was going to happen. And that's why they were hoping to keep it under wraps. And uh, mm-hmm. some people just decided it was better to break the news, including it really came from. I've heard people say, like, criticize Tom Loy for this one. I, I wouldn't because Tom, I I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like Tom was compelled to talk about it because that troll Twitter account talked about it. So everybody kept asking mm-hmm. about it. So then it's like, well, it's being talked about, so let's go report it. So it wasn't Tom that put that out there. It was wow. some random site that that took it from people so um you know that's just not a lot you can do how many how many how many times has the media sabotaged notre dame recruiting this this season so far brian my it's been bad now yep yeah it is it is uh anthony solemn i did not see it yet i will be going to see that here soon because there's a couple other things that i'm that i've heard that i want to check in on that as well but yes i did see that so uh and you know what another team that that bama is exactly what i thought they would be this year they're a talented team that doesn't have the coaching to maximize their talent like that in the past and i'm going to say it again and people are going to laugh at me but i'm going to say it again i'm going to stick with my prediction that i had a couple weeks ago bama will lose two regular season games this year i'm going to stick with that I'm going to stick with that. And they lost to Tennessee. They play home against Mississippi State at LSU, at Ole Miss, home against Auburn. I just think they're going to drop one of those games. I just I just do. I just hope it's not the LSU game. I just <laughs> <suck> so bad. <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, Tommy Guns has a very important question, Ryan. Have you seen Top Gun yet? I f- I'm afraid I know the answer to this, and I'm going to be very upset. Tommy, I've been working very hard, man. I've been working very hard. So I, I, I failed to uh, – to disappoint you all again, but I have not seen Top Gun Maverick Unbelievable. yet. <laughs> Unbelievable. You're so un-American. So, so disappointed. In American uh, Joel, Joel, yes, exactly right. Absolutely right. Joel Easton yeah. says, what are your opinions? I'm totally kidding. What are I your know. opinions on whether Coach Reese should be on the sideline? Does this matter to players? Maybe related. Does not having the analyst position filled uh, change where Coach Reese is? Number one, uh, it doesn't. If anything, Tommy Reese is a bit of a hothead. I don't think you want that on the sideline just during the game. I think you want to let him scream and yell up in the press box when no one can hear him. It's probably best. And that, that's not an insult to Tom Reese. It's just knowing your personnel. I don't, you know, he's a fiery dude, right? And that's, that's not a criticism. That's, that's, um, there's nothing. I mean, we knew that there's nothing wrong with that. He was that way last year when we praised him. I just don't know if that's where you want him. I also think as an offensive coordinator as a, or defense coordinator, you got to be where you're comfortable. I, when I was kind of, when I was like pass game coordinator and, and served some of those coordinating roles, I preferred to be up top 
when I was a running backs coach and a tight ends coach, I wanted to be down in the field. It just, it just depends on who you're coaching and what your responsibilities are. If I was an offensive coordinator right now, I'd be up in the box. I just think it's better. You can chart. You've got all your stuff in front of you. And that's not true for everybody. That's not true for everybody. Some people like being down on the field. I mean, a lot of the air raid guys are down on the field. Phil Longo's down on the field. Lincoln Riley was down on the field, I believe, when he was at Oklahoma, correct? Before he took over as mm-hmm. head coach, he yep. was down on the field. So uh, it just depends. Depends on the. There's defensive coordinators that are up top. I mean, Al Golden's on the field. Uh, Marcus Freeman was on the field. Clark Lee was up top. Mike Elko was up top. It just there's no right or wrong way. It's just what you're comfortable with. The only way it can be right or wrong is if you're not putting people in other positions to help complement where you are. So if you, if you're up in the booth and you don't have someone on the field that can communicate what you need to communicate, then that's a problem. But you being on the field doesn't necessarily fix that because you know, that may not be where you're best. So I, I just, I know that there are people are looking for that and they, it's like, you know, Oh, they, they are not playing well because they choose to take the ball first and it, there's all that stuff. I don't think that stuff matters, right? It's it's about where you're com- – there's no right or wrong way to do that. As long as you, you've got the operation figured out and it's working, and then, it, you know, that's that's all that matters to me. I, is that something that you lose sleep over, Ryan, is, is where over that – wherever the coordinator is or anything like that? And, and I, don't think that, I think Joel's just trying to figure out. We're trying to find answers. You know what I mean? And yeah. But seriously, I mean, is that some? I mean, some people care about that kind of stuff. I just don't. Yeah. I always like being up in the box. I think you see everything a lot better, but I mean, wherever a guy feels they're most successful is, is fine with me. Like it's a very individualistic type of thing, you know? So I, yeah. And then as far as the analyst position, uh, I doubt it. I doubt it would change where Reese is honestly. And I don't know how Notre Dame, like Marcus Freeman talked about that today. And he said, they just haven't found the right fit. I think that's absurd. I, I just, I, I, I got it. I don't want to say too much about it, but I just, yeah, I just, anyway, I don't, that's just nuts to me. Absolutely nuts to mm-hmm. me. Anyway, I think that is going to do it, Ryan, for today's show. And a uh, lot, a lot of really good questions to everybody. <clears throat> and a uh, lot of good discussion in the chat as well. So that's going to do it for Ryan today's show. That's going to do it for the mailbag. I would ask everybody to know I'm not going to fire Ryan because he didn't watch Top Gun. I am going to contemplate rewriting his contract, however. Uh, so uh, we, we will have to discuss that as well. Uh, anyway, so that is going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll, the, one more IB Nation Sports Talk show tonight at 6 o'clock. It'll be Sean Styers and Jesse Styers talking tonight. They will also talk more about Coach Freeman's press conference today. Ryan and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, for our we will do keys to the victory and our predictions in one show then we will also preview the upcoming games Uh, and then of course saturday 10 to noon 10 a.m to noon eastern you will have the guys doing the ib nation uh ib countdown to kickoff and then of course we'll have our post game show here live as well so be ready for all of that Make sure you hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast, please. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. And, of course, check out all the cool stuff we have down below. We've got Built Bar, 10% discount. You obviously have the merch store, all types of cool stuff. If you have not signed up for the message board and you'd like some merch, wait to buy merch till after you sign up for the message board. Because if you sign up for a monthly membership, you get 10% off your entire purchase. If you sign up for an annual membership, you get 25% off your entire purchase into the merch store. So definitely take advantage of that. For Ryan, I'm Brian. Have a great day, everybody. And thank you so much for listening to the Irish Breakdown.
podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.